So we kicked off, if you missed it, uh, a series, of course, called Seek. We also give these books away every year, which we're going to talk about right now. But these are free to you. You can pick them up on your way out back in the information hub. And uh, it's got goals in it. We'll talk through each specific goal here in just a minute. But I encourage you, write those goals, make those plans. And then along with that, we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting. So every Saturday for the entire month, we're meeting upstairs in our uh, second floor sanctuary. It's not finished. doesn't have carpet. It's amazing. I love to lay the foundation of prayer before we're laying any other foundation. Amen. Incredible. It was awesome to see uh, one of the largest prayer gatherings we've ever had as a church uh, was this Saturday. And so just so awesome to see that. And I uh, encourage you, you know, join us in this. You may have missed a week and say, oh, I didn't know that much about the fast. Go ahead and start now. You know, start now. Ask God what he would have you uh, fast or, or seek him in. And so I want to encourage you in some of those things before we get to the goals. Fasting is a big deal. Uh, it's not like, well, this is kind of a religious thing. You've heard me say it before. It's a holy moment. Heaven looks on what we do in the natural. Do you understand? Heaven looks down at what we're doing in our natural life and, and pays attention to the choices, the processes, uh, our heart involved in those things, and, and, and it matters what we do. So you can't say, well, fasting kind of is whatever. The Bible just kind of says a thing or two. It, it's, a big, it's a big thing that we get to be a part of. It's an honor for us to be able to fast and pursue and seek God in the way that he instructed us to. Amen? I want to encourage you in this, and it's a little bit strong, but as you're in your fast, you know, as you get into your fast and, and it starts to get difficult and, uh, you know, like you got all these temptations, you start to get in the fast in a little bit of a way where all of a sudden you're justifying everything. You're like, a potato chip is a potato, right? It's just a potato. We can eat potato <laughs> chip. <You> come on. <laughs> Let's be real. And, uh, and you start making all these. But, but listen, you, 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 gotta, you just got to stick with it. You got to grind. And here's what I thought about. We, we make these excuses like this, and I'm not here to shame anybody. I just want us to think this way because I had this thought this week, even in my life, when it came to fasting. Um, and we say things like this in a fast. We say things like, oh, I've had this hard, I'm in this fast, and God, I know I said I wasn't going to participate this way. I wasn't going to do this thing, but all oh, these headaches. You know, I got these headaches. I got this caffeine, or I'm coming off my sugar addiction. Come on, somebody. I got these headaches, and God's like, well, you shouldn't be an addict to sugar. But anyway, and, it, and so I got this headaches. I got this, or all this stuff started happening in my week when I got on this fast. No surprise. All this stuff started happening. And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this because, you know, God, he doesn't understand. You, got, you don't understand. I, I'm, I got all this stuff going on. I need to do this. I need to break this. I need to do this. And so we're like, there's, I just, I just, I got to eat cheese, right? You're like, I got to have a coffee or whatever. And, and we look at God like, you just don't understand. He's like, you want to talk about headaches? You want to talk about headaches? I'm so glad he didn't quit as easy as we do. I'm so glad the littlest little excuses that we make for the reason that we have to back off our dedication and our commitment. I'm so glad Jesus didn't bow out that easy. Before he's going to the cross, his headache, you want to know what kind of headache he had? One that was causing him to sweat blood. And we're like, work is annoying me. I need to break this for a coffee. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and so I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to hit or beat up anybody, but every time I'm, I'm tempted to, 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 to weaken my commitment, or to, I just remember it, nothing compares to what he did for us and what he stayed committed to. Amen? So think about it this way. Physical obedience. I just wanted to say this in, in the idea of fasting and kind of what we're in. Physical obedience always brings spiritual breakthrough. Physical obedience. It is a big deal that you're choosing to do something physically. It is a big deal. It brings spiritual breakthrough. Think about this. 
David had to go physically pick up five smooth stones to defeat his Goliath. It didn't say just show up and the Lord will. He had to go pick up five stones. How I many know that the scripture said they had to go march around Jericho for days with a strategy? They had to do something physically. All throughout the scripture, God calls us and assigns us to do things in the natural, in physical, to receive spiritual breakthrough. And so fasting is one of those ways that we do this. We say, look, I know it's silly and I'm not drinking coffee or not having sweets. or not. I realize that's silly, but it's something in the natural that allows us to receive spiritual breakthrough. And so it's important. And so I want to jump into this, uh, this seek. This is our goals. I encourage you to pick this up. If you haven't filled these out, we're going to kind of go through the reasons of why we do this. But goals matter. The scripture says in Psalm 90 verse 12, it says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. So the scripture has given us a caution here that you only have so many days and it's your responsibility to spend those days with great strategy. It's important for you to steward every hour you're given, every time that you're, it's, it's a call from, from God for us to, to value these days that we've been given. I think when we say things like, it's just another day or living day by day, it's just a, that, that's a major disservice to the way that God created, called you and equipped you. Amen. My mentor Jim Weidman, uh, he says this all the time. He says, if you aim for nothing, you hit it every time. People look back on their life and they go, oh, I just feel like 2018. I didn't grow. I didn't accomplish anything. Well, where was your goals? Where was your processes? What was your plan? What was your strategy? If you're aiming for nothing, you're absolutely going to accomplish nothing. Most people I know who found success have been able to show me their plan before they got to that success. I'm telling you, people in my life that I look at and I see, wow, it's so awesome to see how they accomplish this or accomplish that. Do you know what? Before I saw their successes, I saw their strategies. I saw their goals. I saw their plans. I saw their processes that they prayed through with God. And they said, hey, we're, we're committing to this. And sure enough, it came to be. But many people that I've saw, <coughs> excuse me, hit the ditch or fall or, or you look at them and you say, I don't know what happened. I wasn't, they're just in a place of la-la land and they end up in la-la land. And so it's important for us to, to have goals and to set strategies because God honors those. You've heard me say this before. The largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. I know I should eat better. I know I should do this more. I know I should do that more. So what we know to do, but what we actually do, we need to shrink that space in the middle. Well, how do you shrink the space? You shrink the space by setting goals and holding yourself accountable to the ways that God is speaking to you. Amen. Many people stop achieving goals because they start looking at somebody else's goals or somebody else's life. I can't tell you how many people get disqualified from ministry or they fall out of what God calls them for. Not because their mission was impossible. It's because they got upset with someone over here or they said that was too hard or they got to. Are you with me? And they got negative about this thing. And it was why is that one doing this? And why is that one? Instead of just staying to the mission. It's not because theirs wasn't attainable. It's because they got their eyes off what God called them to do. And so we got to stick to our goals. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. It doesn't matter the pace that other people are going. God knows your days. He's formed you. Are you with me? If we believe that, then you just walk with God in that. But a lot of the problem is we don't get to walk on the path because we've just made this path just so broad and so huge. And, and, and it's like if I were to give someone directions like, hey, I need you to go over to wherever, and they say, okay, how do I get there? And I say, you just go that way, right? You just go that way. They'd be like, what? You have to say, no, you, you take that specific road, and it leads you to that specific place, and, and you set all of these places into your life. 
Do you know what we do when we don't keep capacity proper in our life? In our life, we have so much. You say, what do you do in your life? We say this, I'm doing this. And you can't understand why you're not getting where you're called to be because you're doing this in your life. We, we, we need capacity. So here's the deal. Stress is not your problem. Capacity is. Your ability to, to put things where they belong and value them and set the boundaries with the who and with the what and the how, putting all of those things in place are how you keep capacity proper. Amen. Here's the deal. Your intentions, we do this all the time. You set out at the beginning of the year and you have great intentions and you believe that you should be rewarded for your intentions. Oh God, I, I have all these intentions. My heart is all this, but here's the deal. Your intentions don't determine your destination. Your actions do. Your actions I have so many people who come and meet with me and they say, my intentions, my intentions, my intentions, my intentions. Intentions don't cross the finish line. Action crosses the finish line. Keeping things proper and in order and running with the process that God gave you. Amen. That's why the scripture says that we run to what? Finish the race. We go. It's not, you don't start the race. You finish the race. Intentions. Uh, This might rub some people the wrong way when it comes to the idea of God's grace. But I thought about it like this, and this is the way that I would raise my kids, is this. You can't be anything you want to be. We go around, we tell everybody, you can be anything you want to be. You can't be anything you want to be. You can only be what you deserve to be. You don't like that, do you? <laughs> but that's the truth. And, if, and, and again, there's grace in there. I'll clean it up in a minute so you're not all offended. I believe it's true. We should teach our kids they can be anything they want to be, but not for free. You can be anything you want to be, but it doesn't come free. Are you with me? You can be anything you want to be if you work for it, pray for it, believe God for it, search God for it. Are you with me? Find him in it. Then, then that. You can be anything. You can only be what you deserve to be. That's why the scripture says you reap what you sow. It doesn't come free. You have to sow it. Now, God's grace is free and salvation is free. And all of that stuff is absolutely true. But there is also a truth that we have to seek and seek in a way that we find. Are you with me? So all of this stuff matters. 1 Corinthians 9.26, so I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just air. And that's what too many of us do. We're just out swinging at nothing. We haven't determined what we're fighting. Okay, these bills or this negative thinking or this addiction that held me back last year. We're not sizing up the opponent and swinging at that. We're just swinging aimlessly. Are you with me? You get to the end of the year and you're so frustrated with your life because you don't have any accomplishment. Well, it's because you haven't determined what you're fighting. Set goals, make priorities, and see it come through. That's why Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 says, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. It's just like a football player comes into the sideline and says, what are we going to do? Okay, that's what we're going to do. Go. If the quarterback come running over to the coach and he's like, that game wouldn't end very good, would it? No strategy, no plan, no mission. No, we need to set these goals so that you can check back and look at them and say, okay, that's the plan. We're going to do it. Let's stick to the plan. Amen. We put in your book, uh, indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. If you and your life are living in a way that you can't make decisions because you haven't made boundaries and you haven't set goals and you haven't made priorities, you're going to miss every opportunity that you have this year. 
Make goals, set boundaries, make priorities, because then you can say yes to everything God puts in front of your life. You've heard this before, but I like uh, for us to hear it again. There's no elevator in life. You have to take the stairs. Culture tries to sell you shortcuts. Take this pill. You'll lose 30 pounds. Buy this book. You'll be a millionaire by the end of the year. All these shortcuts. But the truth is, the scripture says, the steps of the righteous are ordained of the Lord. We have to walk it out. Come on. You just, and, and that's okay. We can't believe the idea. We even do that to God. God, get me out of this. I need a shortcut. I need a shortcut. I need a shortcut. Sometimes it's taking the stairs. Amen. So the scripture says, you put your hand to the plow, and if you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. What is it saying? You got to be a people who go and grind. Second Chronicles five seven or seven or Second Chronicles fifteen seven, but says, uh, but as for you, be strong and do not give up, for you will be rewarded. What's the scripture saying? How do you get your reward? You have to be somebody who's strong, not somebody who quits every time something gets hard. I don't like that person. I don't like how they do that. I don't like this. I'm out. Put me in another thing. I don't want to do. Be strong. Are you with me? And don't give up. Because then what? That's when you find your reward. So we've got a few, few uh, chapters that we'll go through here. I put together a few uh, just families, some different goals that are in this book that we're going to write out. And I'm just going to help you have some ideas about maybe how to write goals in our last 10 minutes together, seven minutes together. Uh, the first category is family. How do we write family goals? How do we as a church, how do we as people in this church lead our family? What should our goals be in family? I was at a funeral uh, Friday for incredible man of God. Um, his name is Bob Liel, and uh, he passed away and uh, was at the funeral. And what was incredible, and what I began to think about is every person in that room. You could say a lot of things. You could say, oh, because he did. I'm just saying things about him. You could say, oh, he loved the Dallas Cowboys. And people say, yeah, yeah, he did love the Cowboys. You say, oh, he loved this. People say, yeah, yeah. He made incredible salsa called Uncle Bob's Salsa. It's amazing. And they say, oh, he made a salsa. And we say, yeah, yeah. But when people say he was a man of God, people say, yeah, yeah. Just above everything else, the amens and, and, and the roar of people's heart affirming one thing was he's a man of God. His heart was after God. And I wonder if at your funeral, the thing that would be the biggest amen in my funeral would be someone would look under your life and say, well, they were a Wolverine or they loved that kind of car or they loved, or if the biggest amen would be that was a person whose life was built on the rock. And these goals, these ways of living are how we determine how we establish that. It's, it's how we show the world the goodness of God by, by building foundations of, look, we are we are people of God. Amen. So a couple ideas here when it comes to family. I think these are the ideas that you need to answer when you set your goals in your family. What's your prayer life going to look like? I think you should answer that question. Uh, I told you before last year, we don't pray at every meal as a family. We, as my kids, we, we, we don't. Uh, and some people say, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. We're training our kids to pray on the spot. If there's a situation, you pray about it. We had a kid uh, in the school going through a situation. Caroline's telling me about it. Like, hey, buddy, let's pray about that. Let's, so quickly, we just pray about the situation. And so I'm not against praying at dinner. I'm not against praying at bedtime. Will you do that as well? I think you said in those core things. But if you can get people to respond in the moment, guess what you're training your kids to do? Respond in the moment. I think it's a disservice if the kids think, oh, I see this thing, and it's out of place, and it's out of, I better wait till I get to the dinner table. Amen. 
we don't need to collect our prayers. We need to, like, give out our prayers. Amen? And so, so what's your prayer life look like with your family? And don't get all weird about it. Don't get all, like, tight about it. But, but what is your prayer life? What is your church life? I think uh, if you come to church, if Saturday night you are asking the question to one another, hey, are we going to church tomorrow? You're doing it wrong. I think you need to decide well in advance how many Sundays your family is going to participate in church, and you need to hold yourself to that. Think about this. I'll just put this to you. They say statistically you will spend 55 hours in front of a screen in one week. Well, if you come to church every single Sunday for one hour, that means you'll have more influence from a screen in one week than you will church in a whole year. Church matters. We need this inpouring from our church. Amen? How are you going to participate in the community as a family? What does quality time look like? I'm talking about putting phones away. Are you with me? I'm talking about like, hey, this is how we're doing quality time. It's not going to be the TV. It's not going to be an iPad. What are we going to do? Household fairness. I did this last year. Y'all loved it. Uh, but you need to decide as a family. You guys keep fighting about who did this and who did that. We have all these arguments. If at the beginning of the year you decide what household fairness looks like, who does what chores, how much we're going to do this and that, you're going to erase all of the arguments. It's pretty hard to argue about something you agreed upon. Amen. 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 Projects, what do you need to get done in the rest of the year? And then just add fun goals in there, places you want to visit, intentional activities, date nights, all those good things you need to work in there. Health is another one. Number two, you guys know a lot about health, uh, but I'll say some things. Health matters. It should be a goal that we walk in uh, and that we pay attention to. So your amount of sleep matters, habits, addictions, uh, the pace that you're going. Are you on supplements? Do you need to take counseling? Like, are there things that you need to do to take care of your body? Rick Warren says this. I think it's great. He says this about our bodies. God created it. Jesus died for it. The spirit lives in it. We better take care of it. So we need to create some goals about being intentional when it comes to our health. Number three, our finances. It says, a faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. And so it's if you're chasing being rich, if you're chasing stuff, it's not going to work out good for you. So the scripture calls us to be stewards of our money. Well, then it means this. You need to know your numbers this year. You need to be able to, at the end of the month, there's times where I go back and I'm like, yes, oh my gosh, you should see what we spent out to eat last month. Because we're always looking at our numbers. You need to know how much you spent out to eat. You need to know how much you spent because we're called to steward our numbers. Amen. I'll tell you this. Most people that I know that, that run into trouble with finances, it's because they're not paying attention to their finances. Amen. So stewardship, it matters. It helps you. And then I think all throughout the year, you plan things financially well in advance and you start to put away for it, all that kind of stuff. And I'm out of time to really get into that. But um, I get into that a little bit more in last year's sermon this time, so dig into that if you want to. Uh, number four, your career. It matters. The scripture says this in Ecclesiastes 2.24, nothing is better for a man that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy in his labor. Ecclesiastes 2.24. So the scripture calls us to work unto God. As we do work, you're not doing it under your boss. You're not doing it unto the company name. You're doing it unto the Lord. He's given you your days. He's given you your hands to work. You go in and you serve as if you're doing it unto him, and he will increase you. Amen. Last one, I'll close with this, or last two. It's community and your spiritual life. I'll put these two together. But the scripture says in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Church, the day is approaching. And we need to encourage one another and we need to gather together more and we need to pray more and be for each other more. And so community matters. 
And then spiritually, is the scripture says in Ephesians 1.7, I keep asking that the God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. God wants us to know him better this year. It's great all that we've climbed to and all that we've achieved last year, but this year God wants to know you even better. He wants to know you even more, amen? Goals in spiritual should be how much are you gonna pray? How much are you gonna commit to worshiping, just putting on music and worshiping? How much Bible devotion? The scripture says we should abound more and more in him. How much serving do you wanna do? How much sharing of your resources do you wanna do? All of those spiritual acts, you need to decide how much do you wanna give? Not just looking at the next month and, oh, we got a little bit of time here, we're not on vacation there. No, you sit down and you say, what am I called to do spiritually this year? And you set that goal and you hold yourself to it, amen. I always read these to you every year, but Mark Batterson has these great statements when it comes to dreaming and praying with God. He says this, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. There is nothing God loves more than keeping promises, answering prayers, performing miracles, and fulfilling dreams. Most of us don't miss it because it's not possible. We miss it because we give up. Put your hand to the plow and stick to it and God will see it through, amen? Uh, you've heard me say this before by Bill Johnson. It says, God's expectation of us is to do the impossible. So how should you write your goals? Write some impossible ones, draw big prayers because he looked at Jesus as ascending to heaven. He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick. He's done all these things. And he looks back at his disciples and he says, you'll do even greater things. Giving you permission and an expectation that we can do even greater things than he did through the Holy Spirit who leads us. Amen. And then I'll say this lastly. Don't let what you see make you forget what God said. In all of your goals, no matter what happens, don't let what you see make you forget what God has said, what he's called you to, what he's equipped you for. If he said it, he'll bring it to pass.